Alex Mosen, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle to fight back and win against big tech monopolies. Got some great stories today. Breaking news. Microsoft just made the biggest acquisition in the history of video games, and they're saying it's for the metaverse. Is that true? Big news. Microsoft's buying Activision for $68, almost $69 billion in all cash. True tech monopoly thing to do, just all cash deals. Um, they want to try and make this thing go as quick and as fast as possible uh, so that they can try to minimize any uh, regulatory challenges that might be coming their way. Activision, if you're not familiar, is one of the biggest video game publishers. They make Call of Duty. Blizzard owns uh, World of Warcraft. King owns Candy Crush, comes as you hear a lot about Meta, Meta, Meta. Facebook changed their name to Meta. I, I hate their new name, not gonna lie. Is this deal a proponent of the metaverse or not? If you remember many years ago, Microsoft actually also bought Minecraft, which is you know kind of like a close comp to Roblox. Uh, Roblox, I've talked about, would be the perfect ac acquisition target for Facebook. Now change their name to Meta, Facebook having a very difficult time because they are not, you know, I think if they tried to buy someone like a Roblox, the regulators would hopefully come after them and shut it down. I think they know that's true as well, which is why they haven't tried to do a deal like that. Microsoft has not come under as much M&A scrutiny as the other large tech monopolies. Uh, we'll see how much scrutiny this deal comes under. Certainly far from being a done deal. Is this going after the meta play? <sighs> And I'm not actually sure it is. Satya, the CEO of Microsoft, saying this deal will play a key role in the development of metaverse platforms. I'm skeptical. I think metaverse is a very fashionable thing to talk about. But this company, Activision, was not built as a metaverse business, right? You look at all these different properties here. Call of Duty, Diablo, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, Starcraft. You're telling me that they're going to move to a model where all these video game properties are built on the same platform, right? On the same development platform where, you know, any developer could go launch their own little universe in the metaverse, right? That's the whole idea. You have kind of one avatar, and then avatar can go in and out of all these different worlds. Mm, I don't know. That's going to be a pretty big stretch. What you got to understand is Activision, the holding company, is really a collection of all these different video game studios, right? Like the Blizzard Studio. That was a transaction from many years ago where Activision and, Bl and Blizzard kind of merged together. Yes, there's probably some technology overlap, but these are very high-powered, kind of like cinematic video game experiences. I don't think Activision's really been doing much in the world of like these VR goggles, which everyone says is such a big part of the metaverse. Um, Facebook obviously owned, you know, bought Oculus for like a couple billion dollars, whatever it is, a number of years ago. So um, this thing is a pretty far, long away from metaverse. Like if if Microsoft really wanted to do Metaverse, go buy Roblox. So Microsoft paid a 27% premium on Activision's stock price. 
Again, about $70 billion acquisition. Roblox, market cap, $45 billion. Roblox would have been cheaper than this. If they really wanted to go after Meta, Metaverse, you buy Roblox. Roblox is much closer to the Metaverse that everyone likes to talk about. Now, if Satya has a different version of Metaverse, um, where you can, I don't know, have some kind of linkage of economies, let's say, um, right? Because each of these kind of worlds, maybe not Call of Duty, but like World of Warcraft, these like MMORPGs, you know, you have currency, you buy items, you transact, you, you build your skills. You know, maybe there's a linkage of currencies, maybe there's a linkage of other things. But, um, you know, I think it would need to be a very different version of the metaverse that everyone's seemingly kind of conjuring up in their head. So I don't know. I, I'm a little skeptical of the, the meta play with this Activision thing. Doesn't mean it's a bad deal. Um, if anything, I think it means that Microsoft is <sighs> running out of big things to buy, really wants to double down on Xbox. You know, this is going to exert a lot of pressure on. Sony on the PlayStation, on Epic, uh, you know, which Epic and Microsoft had kind of looked forward to teaming up against um, Apple and, and Google from, from the App Store, kind of App Store busting standpoint, right? So yeah, it, it's going to change a lot of the power dynamics in the video game industry. And, you know, Microsoft long time ago bought uh, Bungie, Bungie was the maker of Halo, right? That, which was like the most popular video game ever. Consolidates a lot of strength in gaming. They're going to have the Activision people report into the gaming CEO, this guy, Phil Spencer. So that makes sense. Activision, I, I think this was kind of opportunistic, frankly. Activision was going through a lot of management issues with these scandals, harassment, sexual harassment scandals, like I think the CEO was on his way out and a bunch of his executive team was also on their way out. It just seems like there's going to be a lot of um, executive just reshuffling, a lot of pain that company was going to have to go through from an organizational leadership standpoint. Meanwhile, you got Take Two by Zynga um, for about 12, 13 billion dollars. Take two makes Grand Theft Auto and a bunch of things. And now Zynga, um, huge mobile publisher. So the combination of those two, you know, it's kind of like what Activision did with King a handful of years ago. So just really upping the competitive threat against what, you know, Activision's positioning. This was a big deal like a couple of weeks ago when this news came out. So I think you had all these things kind of coming together. Wow, look at this. $12, $13 billion acquisition. Our executive team needs to be reshuffled. What do we do? Oh, and then Microsoft swoops in and says, yeah, I'll pay you a huge premium, all cash. You know, I've got a whole management team. You don't even need to worry about that. Like, let's do it, right? I think that's kind of more of what happened here. It's a good move for Microsoft. They'll, they'll make money on this. But I don't know, calling this a meta deal, that's probably a bridge too far, frankly. Y Combinator is shaking up the seed investing world by 4Xing the amount of money they're giving to startups. And that's got a lot of seed investors freaking out. Y Combinator, basically like 
the first incubator, certainly the most successful, certainly the most exclusive, certainly like the best kind of incubator accelerator on the planet. I don't even think it's close. They announced that now instead of giving $125,000 for 7% of the company of the startups that joined the program, they're now going to add another $375,000, bringing it to a total of half a million dollars. So way, way, way back in the day when, uh, when Y Combinator first started, um, they only gave you $20,000. Here, Brian Chesky, co-founder of Airbnb, says when we did Y Combinator, we got 20000 bucks. But the same deal always applied. Y Combinator would give you a chunk of money, and then in exchange for that, they would get some equity. I think it might have always been 7% equity. And then you join a 13-week accelerator program where you have uh, mentors that work full-time for Y Combinator. You know, many of these are former tech entrepreneurs, VCs, et cetera. And they're going to work with these startups. They go through different batches. And they're going to work with the batch of startups on everything, right? On, on their business model, on, on their product positioning, on, you know, how they pitch to investors, right? They're going to bring in expert speakers like former alums of YC, like a Brian Chesky um, and other you know, famous and very wealthy now entrepreneurs and investors to talk and mentor and make connections with these startups. It's a very exclusive program to get into. They only accept, you know, a few percent of all the startups that apply to the program. Even after drastically increasing the number of startups that they accept into the program, which we've covered previously on the show. If Y Combinator had a CEO, it'd be this guy right here, Michael Siebel. He was the one that that really said, hey, you know, I want Y Combinator to be more like a state school rather than an Ivy League university. So they in drastically increased the number of startups that they accept in into the program. So now even after drastically increasing the number of startups they accept into the program, now they are 4Xing, right? Uh, from 125 to half a million dollars, the amount of money that they give each startup that goes through the program. But we have some YC alum in Applico. And so we asked them, hey, how do you feel about this? And so these, this is the founder perspective. And the answer was a resounding, wow, this is awesome. When some of our folks were going through YC, they were giving out like $120,000, $125,000 for 7% equity. And, you know, some of the feedback we got, you know, when you're in Y Combinator, you're pretty much locked into their schedule, right? So at the end of the 13 week program, you do your demo day. When you do your demo day, that's when all the investors come, watch your presentation, and basically start offering you more money. You can either pitch and begin raising on demo day, whether you're ready or not, or you can defer to the next batch's demo day, which you might not have enough runway for. So you might run out of money if you wait another three months, four months, because there's a little bit of a gap in between. So he said the really cool thing about this is they're giving you the half a million dollars up front. In exchange for $125,000, they still get 7%. None of that's changed. The other three seventy-five dollars though, is a sweetheart deal. They're not giving it to you at the same valuation. And that's where if you read some of the articles on this, man, some of these reporters are just dumb. This one from The Information. This article says um, that, oh, there could be all this dilution on the three seventy-five because. The way the 375 is valued is 
it's actually a sweetheart deal. On your next fundraise, whatever your next fundraise is, YC will take the 375 and value that equity for 375 at your next funding, right? So you go raise money at the demo day, your valuation is much higher than what the equivalent of $125,000 for 7% is, which is like a $1.8 million valuation if you do the math, right? So you have about a $1.8 million valuation, you're giving up 7%, which is a nice chunk, for $125,000, but you get to be in Y Combinator, which is a very big deal. And then they're now saying, here, I'm going to give you another $375, not when you finish Demo Day, but when you join the program, right? With the understanding that we will figure out what that 375 gets me, Y Combinator, in terms of equity valuation, based upon the terms of your next fundraise, right? It's awesome. That's what one of our, our team members was saying, right? So, wow, this is great. They give you the money up front, which gives you that flexibility to say, hey, do I want to raise at the demo day right after my 13-week period ends? Or maybe I need a little bit more time. I want to get a little bit more traction, maybe make a little bit more progress on my kind of initial product or MVP, and then raise at the next demo day, right? So it's, it's giving more optionality, more flexibility to founders. You know, this information article talks about, for instance, if a seed firm agreed to invest a million dollars and $8 million valuation in ordinary investment for an early stage round, it would receive 12.5% of the startup equity. And YC's 375000 investment would entitle it to a 4% equity interest. The founder then faces a, a decision, give up 16.5% more than the equity dilution in a typical seed round. I don't know. These people are idiots. Here's why they're idiots. Point one. Like a long time ago, the average valuation of a YC seed stage startup, we talked about this on the show many times, not $8 million. These people have no idea what they're talking about. More like 10 to $12 million. And that was before the crazy year of 2021 that we saw um, with every single tech startup valuation just going through the roof. So why are you going to give me an $8 million valuation as just an, an ordinary investment for an early stage round, right? Like they don't even know what they're talking about. And how is this example 16.5% even applicable what? I mean, the, the startup doesn't have to go raise a million dollars and $8 million value. Like, all they have to do is they took the 375 from Y Combinator and it's up to them to figure out they could go raise like a $200,000 round at a $12 million valuation and only have now taken down 200 and 375 at a $12 million valuation. That's not that much dilution. In my scenario, my example, you get a $12 million valuation, which is probably honestly like the lower bar these days for a YC company, given crazy inflation in every investment class on the planet. This is the more realistic example. I already got 375 from Y Combinator, and I don't really want a bunch of dilution. Um, so I'll just take like maybe $200,000, right? So $575,000 or 225, right? Make it a clean like 600 grand, right? In that scenario, if your valuation is $12 million, you have less than 5% dilution in your company. So this gives huge value to the founders. Don't, these people don't even know what they're talking about. Okay, I'm done bragging on the information. Just 
Ridiculous. Now, obviously, who's grumpy about this are the investors. And that's the title of the information's article, which is true, um, that, I don't know, if it sparks fear in seed investors. I mean, the truth of the matter is that a lot of these startups were raising, um, you know, one, two million dollar seed rounds coming out of the YC program at like 10, 12, sometimes more valuations, right? So given up, call it 10 to 20% dilution in their seed round, raising a one to $2 million at very high seed round valuations, right? Like, but they're coming out of Y Combinator, so they get, they get that valuation bump. What this is doing is it's giving more time to the startup uh, to optimize when they raise, and it's giving them some more cash. It's basically just dry powder, which is going to give the startups more leverage. So what's this going to do? Y Combinator startups are just going to have more leverage over seed investors. And seed investors will probably have to increase the valuation even beyond the frothy uh, valuations that they're providing in today's tech investing environment, which is insane right now. So it'll give them even more leverage, right? They'll say, well, I don't need as much money anymore because I now just got an extra 375 from Y Combinator. And they could maybe raise a little bit later, just give them more leverage with investors, make sure that when they do go out to raise, um, they're really maximizing the value that they can capture from the investors. So yeah, it gives more leverage to the startups. These seed investors, I mean, there are entire seed investment firms that I know and all they do, like their investment pitch to their LPs, the whole pitch is, yeah, we only invest in Y Combinator startups. Like that's, that's the strategy. Hey, you give me your money, LP, right? So investor, you give your money to my seed investor fund. And I have relationships with Y Combinator. And therefore, I'm going to cherry pick the best startups out of the Y Combinator batch. But think about that. Who's really doing the most work in that situation? Is it the seed fund, which is just picking from the startups that Y Combinator has combed through literally hundreds or thousands of startups to figure out who goes into the accelerator? And then the accelerator is mentoring and working and growing and nurturing these startups? Or is it then the seed investor who's saying, well, I'm just going to look at the hundred or so startups in the batch and then invest in a few of those, right? So who's, who's really creating more value? I think it's pretty easy to see. So these seed investor funds that, I mean, there are a bunch of them, and this is their whole strategy. Yeah, we only invest in YC startups. That's the strategy. And they've, and they've been successful. They've been successful raising money from LPs, and they've been successful investing in Y Combinator vetted startups. So... I don't see anything wrong with this. I think this is a good thing. I think founders, it is so hard to be a founder. It's got to be one of the hardest things on the planet. It is extremely difficult. The stress that you will go through as a founder is, you know, it's uh, second to none. You can see that the founder stories are real. If you want to look at some of my, my white hairs here to prove it, uh, the stress is insane. I've talked a little bit about it on the show, but we're going to be doing some more videos talking about, you know, some of those really do or die moments. So hit the subscribe button if you want to be alerted for when those come out. Yeah, give them some extra money. 
Yeah, the old YC days, you got $20,000. I mean, it's funny, you go read through the comments on this. How long did you all make 20,000 last in the Airbnb early days? Uh, they asked Brian Chesky, Airbnb co-founder. He says, three months. It was a simpler time, he says. <laughs> um, another comment that I thought was funny. And Aaron Levy, uh, co-founder of Box. Um, and servers used to cost 100x more, right? So you got less money and the infrastructure, just all the stuff to get a business going was 100 times more expensive. Then this guy goes, inflation. Nailed it. Uh, inflation's only going to keep going up. You can go watch some of our other videos on that topic. I just love all the inflation comments on this. Inflation, 20K then is 500K now. I don't think it's that aggressive uh, of inflation, but yes, inflation is a real, real issue. And good for Y Combinator to really put this forward. The irony in all of this is that you got Michael Siebel here in the summer basically saying, hey, we want to be more like a state university. Well, I mean, the kind of money they're giving these startups, that's Harvard money. That's Ivy League kind of uh, scholarship endowment money. That's not state school money. They got state school amount of participation and allowing startups into the program with Ivy League money. Maybe it's the best of both worlds. Certainly the feedback we've gotten from, from founders at Applico, YC alums, uh, are very, very bullish on this and said, wow, that would have been great if I had that. And it's true. They, it would have been great. But this is a really good thing. It's good for the startups. It's good for the founders. Y Combinator will also benefit. Let's not you know, ignore that fact. This is what, how they make their money is not only getting the equity for the 7% exchange up front, but then also putting in more money um, in follow-on stages. And they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars to do exactly that. So uh, inflation, you know, winter is coming. Well, inflation has come and is going to continue to come, unfortunately, as we've been now calling on the show for over a year. More evidence of that. Americans stampede into inflation-linked bonds, smashing records. I didn't even know these things were available. The government sold $2.78 of series I savings bonds. These things are pretty cool. They pay a fixed interest rate plus inflation. And the funny thing is that this 7.12%, this what the bonds are paying out, that's just all inflation. The actual, the fixed interest is zero. The bonds are set at zero plus inflation. So it's normally, I guess, I don't know in the past how they've done this, but the idea is that there could be some additional interest on top plus inflation. Now these things are just paying out zero additional juice and just all inflation, and it's at 7.12%. Over a billion dollars worth of the bonds in the month of November. And you can see this chart here. In December, they sold $2.7 billion worth of the bonds. And if you look at prior years, like all of 2018, they sold maybe $1.7, $1.8 billion worth of the bonds, right? So literally just in November and December of 2021 alone, you've got over 3.7, 3.8 billion, dwarfing any other entire year. The government actually caps it. You can only buy $10,000 per person per year. I mean, we just did a video talking about platforms and our, our platform stocks and inflation hedge. You can go check that out. You can go check out uh, our interview in January of 2021 with Jim Rickards, um, where he's predicted all, a lot of what's happening right now and gives you uh, in his book, you know, a lot of strategies on, on how to uh, 
diversify in a hyperinflationary environment. Jim has promised to come back on the show when his new book comes out. So smash that subscribe button and don't miss out. Yeah, and inflation's only going to keep going up. I mean, <clears throat> maybe if we had a somewhat uh, somewhat reasonable leadership in government that actually cared about, you know, and the Federal Reserve, frankly, um, getting out ahead of inflation and understanding how inflation is so, so painful um, for tens of millions of Americans, particularly lower and middle income Americans. Um, but they don't care about it because they would be drastically increasing interest rates much faster than they are. They would be slowing down uh, quantitative easing uh, and printing money. They would not be um, driving up our federal deficit as aggressively as they are. They would um, also not be putting all these mandates in place, uh, vaccine mandates and others, which um, drastically complicate and exacerbate the issues in the supply chain. I mean, those are just a few to list them. Uh, but it seems like at every step of the way, our federal institutions are doing more to hurt the situation and drive up inflation as opposed to remedy it and drive it down. That's it for us today on Winner Take All. Thank you very much for watching. Have a great 2022. It's going to be one for the record books.